Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the radio show that really has caught on so much. I'm hearing so many great things about the Money Wise radio show brought to you by USA Wealth Group, Ray Lance, our protector, and wow, a lot of great comments. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Good to be with you. Good morning, Always. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening every week. We really appreciate it. And it's really interesting. It doesn't matter where I go now. I'm constantly running into people who say, I've listened to your show recently. It's really very informative. Yeah. And that's actually our goal. We'd like to teach people how to make money, save money, protect your family, protect your assets. And that's what we do at USA Wealth Group. If you would like to contact us at any time, please feel free to call at 508-998-8858. We're located conveniently at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. And we have some very special guests with us this morning, Phil, but Indeed. I'm going to keep everybody in suspense because first I have to talk about you. Uh-oh. I found some quotations this morning that I thought were very appropriate for Mr. Phil Paleologus. Oh, so the first one is by a Roman, uh, Publius Cyrus. Speech is the mirror of the soul. As a man speaks, so he is. Oh, my goodness. So I thought of you when I read that. Oh, wow. And the other one was a quotation from one of my favorite Greek philosophers, and it's from Socrates, so you don't have to guess this morning. (laughs) But when I read this, I thought, this is Phil. One thing I know, that I know nothing. (laughs) This is the source of my wisdom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true. (laughs) So when I read that, I said... No, this sounds like Phil. That is. That's me throughout. <laughs> so we're going to save a few quotations for later. But Thank first, you. I'd like to introduce our special guests who've been with us a couple of times. And today we're going to be talking about the probate process and exactly what that is a little bit in depth. And it's sort of a precursor for what's going to be happening this coming week mm-hmm. when Attorney Tenny Lance and Attorney Michael Coleman are going to be presenting some seminars in Swansea, in Middleborough, and in Dartmouth. And the public is invited, and they are free. So without further ado, I'd like to say good morning to Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to be with you again. Good good morning 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 to Attorney Michael Coleman. Good morning. Great to be here. Good morning, Mike. So uh, the next time we do a show, we're going to have just Mike on, and he's going to do the whole thing. You think? He's promised. Oh, wow. (laughs) That should be exciting, Mike. (laughs) Now, we're going to be talking today about uh, the probate process. Everybody has heard about probate, and most people know a little bit about it, but it's a little bit more complicated than what most people think. And um, I have a a variety of quotations that I want to provide today. Mm -hmm. I came across a lot of things that I thought were uh, fairly interesting, including some interesting thoughts about responsibility. And this has no political political agenda when I'm mentioning this, but I just think it's a little bit true of our society today when people tend not to take responsibility for things. So this is a quote from a gentleman named uh, Paxton Blair. There has been in recent years excessive emphasis on a citizen's rights and inadequate stress upon his duties and responsibilities. Wow. I think we see that a lot today, don't we? Yes to philosophize myself for just a moment. People expect things, people want things, people think they have a right to things, but they don't want to take the responsibility. So this one I liked also from a gentleman named Cecil Baxter. He didn't get promoted, 
blamed it on his luck. The office gossip was, he likes to pass the buck. (laughs) (laughs) So I won't go too far afield with uh, responsibility except to give you one more quotation from Winston Churchill. He said, the price of greatness is responsibility. Love it. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk a little bit about um, the probate process and what does it mean exactly. And Tenny, why don't you first of all describe uh, the firm and uh, give a little bit of information about you and Michael and what you're doing and what you're focusing on. All right. I'd be happy to do that. Um, Our firm, Lance Law, Inc., is located in Dartmouth on Fonts Corner Road, uh, sort of across from Vanity Fair and the UMass uh, Law School. And uh, we've been in this location for at least a couple of decades, and we've been helping people to preserve their wealth. Um, Our motto is that we help to preserve that both during your lifetime and after your lifetime with your descendants and heirs. Um, My background, I think probably most people know, is um, an undergraduate degree from Clark University in Worcester and then a uh, law degree from what used to be the Southern New England School of Law, now UMass Dartmouth. So I'm right across the street from my alma mater. Um, And I'll pass the mic over to Mike. Pass the mic to Mike. Yeah. Why not? And he can describe his background. Hello there, Mike. Great. Hi, thanks. I graduated from law school in 2007. I spent some time in a law firm down in New York uh, doing insurance work, litigation, and some coverage issues, and then worked up in Boston for a number of years before starting here. Good. And um, I think you, well, I I don't think you want to say you, you enjoyed the probate process, but you've experienced the probate process in doing what you're doing. To some extent, yes, and we try and help people to actually avoid probate with a lot of what we do, and I think we'll get into that a little bit more now by discussing what probate is and the different forms of probate. So what does probate actually mean? What does it mean to go to probate? Probate is uh, what we like to say. It's essentially the process of retitling assets. Uh, Any asset that is held in the decedent's name alone needs to go through probate so that the court and the uh, legal system knows that the title to that asset has been uh, properly titled. So in other words, when somebody dies, if they have an asset that's in just their name alone, uh, the family members can't just take the asset and say, now it's mine, they have to go through probate? Exactly, exactly. And it does not apply to joint assets or assets held in trust, just assets in a decedent's name alone. And, And why doesn't it apply to a joint asset, for example, something that's jointly held? Well, a joint asset held by more than one person, um, if one of those person dies, the remaining person who's still alive would have title to that asset because it's held jointly. So if somebody dies and they have assets in their name, they might have to go through the probate process. And what is the – I know there's something called a voluntary probate process. Is that for a certain size estate? The voluntary process is basically a short-form probate process. Uh, if, you, if the value of the estate is less than $25,000, uh, not including a vehicle, and there's no real property involved, then a voluntary probate may be an option. Okay. Is that sort of like a more simple, simplified version of probate? It is simple. Uh, you have to wait 30 days from the date of death. Uh, any interested party can file that voluntary statement. You, follow the, you file the statement with the will and the death certificate. And normally it takes about a month. Um, after that's filed to be appointed, 
and then that person can distribute the assets. And you have to publish notices in the newspaper, like I see sometimes probate notices in the classified ad sections of the paper. No, that's a, one of the good things about the voluntary process is that there is no uh, notice requirement for that process. Mm. But I guess it sounds like until somebody goes through this simplified process, the voluntary probate process, until they do that, they really can't uh, they can't really handle that asset. Might be a bank account, for example. They wouldn't have access to the bank account. Exactly. Yes, you'd have to go through this process first. And again, it's only for estates less than twenty-five thousand dollars. Okay, so that's is, an option just for small estates. Then it sounds like exactly. So what happens if you have assets that are worth more than twenty-five thousand dollars, like a house, for example, that's in one person's name? Right. Again, uh, the voluntary process doesn't include real property. So oh. if you have a house okay. or if you have assets over $25,000, there are two other options. One option would be the informal probate process. Uh, the other option would be the formal probate hmm. process. So this starts to get a little bit more complicated then, doesn't it? It does. And this, again, informal and formal would be the process that most people would probably have to go through. Okay. And we're talking to attorney Michael Coleman right now and discussing the probate process. I am. Um, I guess I'd like to find out why would somebody want to go through probate, or why would they want to avoid going through probate? Well, generally speaking, probate can be expensive and it can be very time-consuming. Depending on the complexity of the estate, it can take years hmm. uh, potentially. And creditors actually have up to one year to make a claim on the estate, so that's another consideration. All right. So if you have to go through probate because you've got assets that are in just your own name, it can take a long time in Massachusetts. Absolutely. I mean, the uh, voluntary process is a little bit shorter, but the informal and the formal probate process involve filing the petition, uh, giving notice to all heirs and devisees, publishing notice in a newspaper, and then waiting certain periods of time as prescribed by statute. Okay, and is there what kind of paperwork has to get filed with a court, for example? Well, you'd have to file a petition, mm -hmm. you have to file a notice, um, and then you have to publish the notice uh, for the formal probate process in the newspaper. Okay, and that's, that's why people can see in the classified ads sometimes that somebody has filed to probate the estate. Exactly, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> and um, then once the notice is published, what happens after that? Once a notice is published, um, if anyone wants to object, they have a certain period of time to object to uh, either the will itself or to whoever's going to act as a personal representative. So if an heir or devisee wanted to contest any will provision or someone who is going to act as a personal representative, they could do that in the, in the process, which mm -hmm. would actually add confusion and time and difficulty. So let me ask a question to attorney Tenny Lance. Uh, Tenny, have you ever seen cases where somebody has filed an objection to a, a probate petition? Oh, several times. I'll just give an example of a case that we're handling now. It's not a terribly complicated case. There's um, real property involved and uh, some small amounts of, of uh, financial assets. But there's um, a dispute going on between the nominated personal representative and the heirs. And um, obviously, this is the objection that the heirs are likely to file 
is going to add a lot of time and bother and money and all kinds of other things to the process. It's not that they don't have the right to do that, and uh, we certainly don't object to them doing that in the sense that it is their right, but um, it's going to make everybody uh, be involved in this longer for more cost and more time. Okay. And if the will, if there is a will, let's say, and the will gets filed in probate court, <clears throat> is that a public document? Can anybody see it? Absolutely. Everything that is filed in relation to a probate process is public. So you can go to the registry um, of probate up in Taunton. You can look up somebody's name and you can find exactly what they said in their will, who they're leaving their uh, estate to, how much the estate is valued because an inventory has to be filed, um, and any uh, idiosyncrasies that may be involved with that particular case. Hmm. Well, that actually sounds like a lot of fun, Phil, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of fun. If, if you want to know what was <laughs> in your neighbor's will, and, and let's say your neighbor has died, you can go into court and you can go poking through the records and get a copy of their will, it sounds like. Well, yeah. and what's really fun in Taunton is to go up and look at the really, really old records. I did that while I was waiting for something up there. And there's a record from, heaven knows, 1648 or something oh, wow. where one guy left his cow and two chairs to somebody and that was important stuff back then of course i wasn't thinking of ancient history i was thinking of more contemporary <laughs> situations when you might want to be a little curious about what your neighbor had and so when you when you have a will you have to file what an inventory or something showing the assets too that's correct the court requires that you inventory the assets and that that inventory be made public um, not only in the record but to any heirs and devisees and so forth very interesting. It really is. That means you could go in and you could find out not only who somebody left their property to, but you could also get a listing of what their assets are. Hmm. Correct. Wow. <laughs> so I guess some people wouldn't want to do that probably. Well, that's why in our seminar we talk about an alternative. We're not going to talk much today about the alternative, but a living trust certainly is an alternative to that whole probate process. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about what you just mentioned about seminars. So if somebody is interested in learning more about uh, the difference between probate and the good points or bad points, it sounds like there are more bad points than good points. Um, somebody doesn't want to go through probate. What is the alternative? And tell us about your seminars that you're doing. These seminars will be held uh, during next week. And on Tuesday at 6.30, we will be at the Venus de Milo in Swansea. What's the date on Tuesday? Tuesday is the 13th. Okay. And um, the seminar will take up such, such subjects as the disadvantages of wills versus trusts um, and how you can avoid state taxes, um, how probate works, and... Not only, most people know death probate. Most people are not, however, familiar with living probate. And we will identify the distinctions between those two things. Um, leaving property to children and your, your favorite heirs. Uh, and then we'll spend a little time talking about Medicaid and protection of resources. Um, and in general, how you might want to best plan for your future. So we talked about the Tuesday which is at the Venus in Swansea in the evening, on Thursday, May 15th, at Lorenzo's in Middleborough, 
and that also is in the evening, 6.30 to 8. And then on Saturday, May 17th, we'll be back at our office in Dartmouth, 352 Fonts Corner Road, in the morning at 10 a.m. Okay, so that gives some good choices for uh, somebody who might be interested. So, uh, Mike, if somebody's interested in going to one of the seminars that you're doing, uh, what do they do? It's quite easy. You can just call us at our office, uh, 508-998-8800, or toll-free at 800-406-0100 to make a reservation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there any cost to go there to There is seminars? no cost. These seminars are free. Okay. And do they get uh, refreshments or something when they go, or candies yep, or something? we always have some good refreshments and some baked goods, most likely. Okay, so... <laughs> What, you, what you're asking people to do is give up a little bit of their time in the evening, but maybe in the process they can learn something that would save them money, it sounds like. Exactly, and maybe you could have dinner at Venus or Lorenzo's at the same time. There you go. Nice idea. Now, I was wondering, here, I have, let's say I sold a business or sold a home, you know, just for the heck of it. <laughs> not speaking of anything in particular. No, no. Not any. You need but, a plan. <laughs> now, I had in my will, obviously, the business that I sold. Now, what would happen? Would I need to make a new will or go into something else? Or, or review it or whatever? Yeah. Well, we always suggest that you review your documents every couple of years to make sure they're uh, relevant, current, and so forth. In the case that you're describing, the portion of your will that talks about that business, if it is no longer owned by you, it's just not going to be passed on. So it mm-hmm. doesn't invalidate the will, okay. but you may, for other reasons, want to talk about other documents. Mm-hmm. Is there a term of art for that? <laughs> a term of art for what? <laughs> it, well, if you had something in your will and you no longer own it, then obviously it can't pass on to somebody. Is there some phraseology for that? I heard something once called redemption by extinction. Oh my good lord! No, that's sort of <laughs> no, <laughs> sort of a law school term that everybody immediately forgets upon leaving the door of law school. See, there you go. <laughs> the diner has undergone redemption by extinction. That sounds <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> sounds like the rule of perpetuities that yeah. nobody understands. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, people should uh, think about whether making. A decision to go to a seminar is a good use for their time, um, a good use of their time. And uh, you have to plan in life to accomplish goals, don't you? Yes. Norman Schwarzkopf, General Norman Schwarzkopf, remember Storman Norman? Of course. Said, the truth is that you always know the right thing to do. The hard part is doing it. That is profound. Yes. I'm not sure what it applied to in terms of military terms, but... <laughs> Basically, I think it means get off your duff and do something. Right. And know what you're doing. <laughs> yes. So what else do we need to say about probate? Anything that you can think of? I'm, well, not, I'm not really sure I understand the difference between informal probate and formal probate, but perhaps there might be more information provided at the seminar on that as well. Uh, one basic difference between those two types is that the court – let me go back a minute. In 2009, Massachusetts passed – the Uniform Probate Code. And one of the purposes of this code was to clarify the probate process and to take the court out of the process, if at all possible, as much as possible. In other words, with an informal probate, you might 
um, have something handled by a magistrate, and it might go through the um, the clerical parts of that process. But in an in in a formal probate, uh, the court is involved and has oversight, and the judge is involved, and so forth. It's often used uh, in particular for real estate matters uh, and larger estates. So if you think of the difference between informal being everybody trusts everybody and they're going to allow the will to be proven and uh, inventory and distribution to be done uh, without a lot of court meddling. That's informal. Formal Good. is much more involvement of the, uh, the court itself and the judge. Okay. Well, that's, that's helpful. Um, what if somebody hasn't done any will at all? They've done absolutely nothing. Does there... Do their assets, so the title to the property, still have to go through probate in some fashion? It truly depends upon how that asset is held, and we'll talk about that after we come back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll be back in just a minute, but I guess the message here is essentially that folks ought to do some planning, and if you haven't done planning and you're not sure what to do, maybe somebody should come out to one of your seminars next week and just quickly give us the dates in the location may uh, 13th at venus de milo 6 30 in the evening may 15th at lorenzo's at 6 30 in the evening may 17th at our law office on fonts corner road at 10 and to make a reservation for the seminar they simply call into what number please you could call either 508-998-8800 or toll-free 800-406-0100. So we'll be right back after a short break, and we're going to play more of Let's Stump the Lawyers. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Don't go away. Extinction by Reestablish the question. Welcome back to the Money Wise Radio Show, brought to you by USA Wealth Group. Ray Lance, our protector here, and what a great first half. Well, thank you very much, Phil, and thank you again for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking with Attorney Tenny Lance and Attorney Michael Coleman, and just before the break, we're asking the question of what happens if you have no will at all. Um, is there a term for that? Um, does, is there an expression for what that means? Yeah, that would be called intestacy. And there is a statute in Massachusetts that actually determines where assets go in the case that they're not um, distributed according to the terms of a will. I wonder what the derivation of the word intestacy is. or <coughs> I have no idea. No. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll look into the Latin meaning of that at some point in time. But uh, so intestacy means when you have no will at all, is that like even worse than having a will? I would say so because depending on the situation, your assets could be going to people that you don't want them going to, um, people that you're not close with or just someone that you never thought your assets would go to. Like laughing heirs, for example. Exactly. Somebody who inherits something they didn't expect to get. So if, if those people are laughing there, how are those rules decided, by the way? Is that something that the government decides? 
it, there's a statute in Massachusetts that sets forth what would happen in different situations. Um, for instance, if you had a spouse and if you had descendants, all your descendants were with your spouse and your spouse had no other descendants, then in that situation, um, the first $100,000 plus half of the balance would go to the spouse and then to surviving descendants per capita at each generation. So it can wow. be complicated. So that that is complicated. That means if, if you are married and you had assets in your name and you had children, it wouldn't be the case that everything would necessarily go to your spouse. Some might go to your spouse and some might go to your kids. Exactly. That would be probably not something most people would want to have happen. No, I wouldn't think so. So it sounds like dying intestate or going through intestacy is something to be avoided. Exactly. And it can happen too if you have a will or uh, other documents and one of your assets is not included in, in those provisions. That would be an intestate asset. Well, it sounds a little complicated. Again, it sounds like it's really important to get some uh, good advice on how to handle these things. And, uh, Tenny, let's talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're going to be discussing at your uh, seminars, Attorney Tenny Lance. Um, are you also going to be talking about, for example, um, asset protection? Is that part of the subject? Yes, we talk at all of our seminars about protecting assets from a variety of things, not only the uh, probate process, but to make sure that they do uh, go to whoever you want them to go to, to make sure that if at all possible we can save assets from people uh, having to pay directly for the nursing home, pay, pay privately, I should say. Um, so, we, yes, we talk about all of those kinds of things. So there's really a lot to learn at these uh, seminars. You know, I guess it's important to take some action and do something. And probably the first step is simply to go and get more information and decide what option is best for him. Mm -hmm. That's why we do these seminars, because we know that people are either reluctant or just uh, hesitate about going to see a lawyer. They think that lawyers are um, perhaps high-strung, um, costly people or whatever, and uh, don't quite want to go and sit down with one. So we do these informal seminars, uh, let people know that we're human beings and we do care about them and their situation, and then invite them to come in for a free consultation. Uh, I'm just can trying attest. to have a visual image of high-strung lawyers. <laughs> I, can, I, can attest. I can tell you, folks, Tenny is so warm and so cordial. You will love her, and Michael the same. Just terrific. But I can tell you, being high-strung in the middle of a very complex closing could describe me. <laughs> Actually, Tenny is a person of... Um, High stature in the community, but yes. low stature when she walks. <laughs> so she would be low strung rather than high strung. You know the two <laughs> biggest the two biggest concerns I hear from everyday folks is I don't want my money going to a nursing home or I don't want my money going to the government if I can give it to the family or to a charity. Mm. Those are the two biggest concerns I hear. And we will um, talk about and try to provide answers to both of those concerns at our seminars. With regard to the nursing home, there are some things certainly that people can do to protect their assets with regard to the um, government, which I assume is in most people's mind the estate tax or perhaps the gift tax or maybe even capital gains. We'll talk about all those things at the seminar. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and as long as you've mentioned that, I'm going to just say that uh, it's important to make some decision to do something or face the consequences of not. Um, Mohandas Gandhi from India said, you may never know what results come from your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no results. <laughs> so first, the first step then is to just make a call to uh, your office. Tell us very quickly what the dates and locations are for the seminars, and then we're going to talk about some topics. Our seminars are starting next Tuesday night on uh, May 13th in the evening at Venus de Milo over in Swansea. I think most people know where that is. It's right on Route 6. On Thursday, May 15th, we'll be up in Middleborough at Lorenzo's, and that's on Route 28, I believe, mm-hmm. maybe 18, but I think it's 28, um, at 6.30 in the evening. And then on Saturday, May 17th, we will be back in Dartmouth, um, hopefully accessible and, and uh, easily reachable by everybody that's listening today. Uh, at our law office at 10 a.m. in the morning. Okay. Now, what if somebody simply can't make it to a seminar? Do you provide materials, for example, that someone might call the office and ask for information and tell me more about probate? Absolutely. If you want to call our office, we can provide you with information and documents um, on a number of topics, and we can talk about those now. Okay. For instance, there's one called What Every Senior Should Know About Probate, Mm -hmm. which might be interesting to some people. Um, There's another one called The Trouble with Joint Tenancy, um, which is another topic that we sort of discussed in the basic probate um, brochure that would explain more of what we've talked about here today. And finally, there's one called Where There's a Will, There's Probate, which (laughs) is another issue. So any of those might be interesting to anyone listening today. What you've described also, it sounds like there's at least four or five different brochures or written sets of material that you have on just the probate process. Absolutely. There's another one called probate, a process, not a problem, which I don't know if I would agree with that necessarily, but it is uh, another brochure that someone could take a look at. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of information. So if somebody can't simply get out to go to one of your seminars, um, it sounds like, Mike, you're volunteering to go to their house and do a seminar in their house? No, wait a minute. That's not what we said. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-huh. All right. Interesting. Well, Very interesting. Moving right along, um, we can't get into joint tendencies. <laughs> there's, a, there's a creature outside the studio who's winking at me. I'm not sure what that means. Mm-hmm. That but, means she likes the show. <laughs> she likes the show. <laughs> um, but seriously, you just have a lot of information that you can provide people if they can't get to one of the seminars. Absolutely. We have plenty of stuff. Tenny, did you want to say something? I just thought we might delve a minute into the issue of living probate. All right. Because, What's living probate? Well, living probate is what happens if you do not have any documents in place and something happens to you, either mentally or physically or both, and you're not able to make good, sound decisions for your body or for your property. In that case, someone needs to go to probate court on your behalf and become appointment, appointed as either a guardian for the body or a conservator for the property. Um, and it's not a nice process. I'd like it, a conservator for my body. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's get serious here, folks. <laughs> sorry. T- took you off track. Tenny, I'm not touching that either. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> All right. 
Please continue with living probate. <laughs> that's why you're well, alive, essentially. That's why you're alive, yes. Um, and those processes called guardianship and conservatorship can be avoided if you simply put into place documents like a durable power of attorney for property okay. um, or a health care power of attorney. And believe me, the, the living probate process is not fun. It requires a doctor's multi-page certification that you are not any longer able to take care of yourself. It's humiliating. And that doctor's certificate has to be presented before the court. And there's a hearing um, in front of everybody that happens to be in the court that day. So it's a very public process saying that you're no longer capable. It's, it's not fun and can uh, be totally avoided. So in other words, if you don't want to have somebody say that you're incompetent, you create documents ahead of time and you don't have to go through that process where you might be declared incompetent. Exactly. Okay. Well, used to be called, there, there used to be uh, the term ward, um, or, and now it is somebody called a protected person. Mm. Uh, there's been a lot of concern about people going to court and getting guardianships or conservatorships for people that might not really be unable uh, and take ah. advantage of these folks. Uh-huh. Okay. So what's the primary alternative to doing wills or intestacy? Uh, what kind of things do you normally recommend that people consider? Our basic recommendation is for someone to uh, put in place a living trust, which is not a complicated, um, very scary document at all. It's a document that is much like a will in that it says where you want your estate to be distributed upon your death, but it's a document that uh, avoids the probate process and is handled in a totally private way. So it doesn't get filed with the probate court later? No, it does not. The advantage of the trust is that while you are alive and competent, you place the title to your assets in the trust. As Mike was talking about earlier, the whole thing about probate and trust is all about title. And so if the assets are titled in the trust, there isn't any need to go through probate to retitle them. They're already in the trust, and they can then be passed on directly to your designated heirs. What happens if a husband and wife disagree where they want their their properties or how it should go forward? Does that ever happen? It does happen. Not really very often, as, as you might not be aware, but... Um, there are a couple of ways that that can be handled. Either they can each own their own property, they can become tenants in common and uh, own half of everything themselves, and then they can do two separate trusts to dispose of their property in the way that each of them wish. Um, or they can um, simply get together over time and, and uh, dispose of them in the way that both of them agree. So what happens if a couple does an estate plan and then they get divorced, for example? Uh, we are no longer able to represent either one of them without the consent of both. And uh -huh. they should redo their estate planning documents immediately. Okay. But they should do that in any event. Otherwise, they'll have laughing ears. Yes, absolutely. If one of them should die. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so you talked a little bit about the living trust, and I guess you and Mike are going to be talking more about that at your seminars. 
Absolutely. That's one of the main topics that we'll be discussing at the seminars. Is it difficult or complicated for the average person to do their own estate plan? I mean, you can look up on the Internet now, for example, and say, you know, do your own will or do your own trust. Is that advisable? Yeah. It's not advisable. <laughs> um, a lot of the documents that are out there are just boilerplate documents, and they certainly don't account for situations that could arise in people's lives that are common but not accounted for. Okay. And are there particular reasons or, or times when you might not want to do your own estate plan in particular? Well, it depends. I mean, there are some reasons um, when a do-it-yourself estate plan might be insufficient. Um, for instance, if you own a share in a small business or if you wanted to disinherit a spouse or child or if you have other investments, including IRAs or 401ks, those can be complicated assets to manage, mm -hmm. and you would want someone with knowledge and experience to help you manage those assets well. Okay. And Let me just mention one other thing about these online documents. The, um, in order to complete the documents, it's necessary to answer a whole series of questions so that the, the document production system will know what to put in that is uh, individual to you. But a lot of people don't have any idea of the impacts of a particular answer. So you may uh, get into one of these systems, answer a question a particular way, and find out that the document that you were so um, assumedly pleased with would leave your assets to somebody that you didn't intend at all. I guess in some ways it would be a little bit like going online to try to diagnose your own medical condition. Mm -hmm. My daughter, our daughter, has done that quite a few times. and. She'll have some symptoms, and then she'll go on, you know, one of the medical websites to try to figure out what's wrong with her. But Don't tell her, but I do too. <laughs> do <you? laughs> okay, but then the next question, Phil, is: Do you treat yourself? <laughs> Sometimes, because then you're in real trouble. <laughs> now, most people, I think, you know, feel that if they've got something wrong with them physically, they want to get checked out. They want to have tests. They want to have X-rays. You can't do that online. And you want to get proper answers and medical advice, and I guess it's somewhat similar, isn't it, Tenny? Yes, you really need to know the implications of what you're proposing to do before you go ahead and do it. So what are some of the basic reasons that people should think about doing an estate plan in the first place? Well, you want to be sure that the person that you trust will be the person who will implement your plan. And that can be done by your designation of a personal representative under a will, but more importantly by a successor trustee in a trust. Uh, you want to be sure that the person who is representing your estate knows what your wishes are, if things should change, if uh, you should be involved in a nursing home situation or whatever. Or possibly if the laws change too, I suppose. Absolutely. And the laws do change occasionally, don't they? They, they change actually fairly frequently because you have to remember that there are laws, but there are also what's called regulations that are put in place by government uh, administrative agencies to mm -hmm. do the detailed implementation of a particular program. You know, as evidence of the fact that laws do change, mm -hmm. here's an interesting quotation from the great philosopher Aristotle several thousand years ago. He said, even when laws have been written down, they ought not always to remain unaltered. Ooh. So even then they were thinking about the laws changing and so forth. So I guess that's a fairly constant, right? 
Probably the only constant thing in the law is change. Well, this past decade and a half has been really um, a, a very active decade for changes in things that we talk about. The 2006 change to the federal law changed Medicaid in a great way. The 2009 change of the Uniform Probate Court Code in Massachusetts made major changes to the probate system. Uh, and then all these regulations that have changed along the way with the Massachusetts uh, Department of Health and so forth for Medicaid. Hmm. So that really sounds like an argument that even if you've done an estate plan in the past and think that your affairs are in order, um, maybe you're advising people to come to a seminar just so they can see if there's been changes. I think that's a very good idea, yes. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Well, my number one rule of thumb, by the way, is a quotation from my dear friend um, Warren Buffett. Not a personal friend, by the way. I've never met him. But he said, uh, rule number one is never lose the money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. You got it. <laughs> and the same thing is true whether you're planning your estate or whether you're just planning for your financial affairs. You want to make sure that your affairs are in order. Mm -hmm. And I guess there's a sense of responsibility with that, isn't there? There certainly is. Because it's not just you or you and your spouse. It's your family and your children and your grandchildren. Um, now, it sounds like when you're doing uh, the trust work that it might even be uh, more appropriate in some ways or more important in some ways for people who might have business interests as well because that's even a little bit more complicated, isn't it? That can be more complicated, yes, and that's something that we could deal with uh, in the documents that we prepare. Um, but, yes, it's more complicated, and if you have some sort of business interest, a partnership or an LLC or something like that, you would certainly want to consult with an attorney. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, this has been very helpful, I think, to talk about these subjects. And, again, if somebody wants more information, um, what's the number they could call to make a seminar reservation, Mike? Again, the number is 508 998-8800 or toll-free at 800-406-0100. And also you've described a number of the specific reports they could get if they were not able to go to a seminar, for example. So those are very good things to know. Um, Tenny, do you enjoy what you're doing in, in uh, helping people do this kind of work? Yes, I enjoy it very much, 99% of the time. Sometimes the... There's always a 1%, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but generally, yes, it's, it's always good to have somebody finish a signing of documents and get up to leave and say, oh, I feel so much better. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've put it off, and now I feel like I can sleep at night. Yes. And that's always a good sense. Mm -hmm. It certainly is. One of my uh, favorite quotations from Abraham Lincoln is, you can't escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. That was Abraham Lincoln that said that. I didn't know that. That was a pretty prescient remark, wasn't it? Well, he was a prescient man. <laughs> Not prescient, prescient. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to understand this is a little family banter. Uh-huh. But um, we'd like to thank you for being here this morning. Whether you can come to the seminars or not, um, hopefully you've been able to learn something today about what the probate process is about. And Mike, Attorney Michael Coleman, and Tenny, Attorney Tenny Lance, 
I very much appreciate your being here to talk about this process. I know I learn things all the time from listening to this information. And um, it's not simple. It's not easy. And it's something you do need to plan for because if you don't, then you have the law of unintended consequences to to deal with. Right. So thank you so much for being here. And very quickly, tell people when the seminars are and where they are and how to make a reservation. And then we'll say a, a good morning to you. Again, we have one seminar coming up on Tuesday, May 13th. That's at Venus de Milo in Swansea at 6.30 p.m. Another one on Thursday, May 15th at Lorenzo's in Middleborough at 6.30 p.m. And then one more on Saturday, May 17th at our office in uh, Dartmouth at 10 a.m. in the morning. To make a reservation for any of those seminars, you can call 508-998-8800 or toll-free at 800-406-0100. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. And Mike and Tenny, thank you so much for being here and sharing some very valuable information with us this morning. And uh, we hope you have some good turnout at your seminars. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's great to be here. And um, I just have to remind everybody that uh, today is Mother's Day. Absolutely. happy Mother's Day to... Every mother who's listening, and for those of you who have a mother who's still living, uh, do something today to honor your mother and That's to be right. kind to your mother. Remember that your you wife wouldn't be here without her, your mm-hmm. wife or sure. your mother. Absolutely. Sure. You betcha. So happy Mother's Day for every mother out there listening, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, every week for listening.